welcome to Rivera Dojo. My name is Ken Rivera and it goes without saying I am so grateful for the opportunity to connect and share my learnings along the way on what has been and what will continue to be a path towards just self-improvement, right? Mindfulness, whether within my personal or my professional spaces. Now this is going to be a continuation of a series on the investment portfolio, as, as I refer to this topic, it's the investment portfolio. And in the last session, I did an introduction to the topic and talked about how there's two types of investments that I want to focus on, that your external investments more so focused on people, right? Our investments in others, our relationships. And the second area or bucket or column, however you want to review it, uh, view it as, is the internal, right? Our internal investment. And by that, I mean the investment, the investments in our thoughts and emotions. How much do we invest in our thoughts and emotions, right? And I, I ended that session with sort of, I used it to really introduce the topic, right? Talked a little bit about the two buckets that we were going to be focusing on and kind of bringing it together uh, into what would be essentially uh, and hopefully right if you if you take part in the exercises a an audit of our investment portfolio right to assess the return on our investments to assess the diversity of our portfolio using those finance terms right the return on our investments are we getting a positive or negative return on our investments if I bought a stock for $30 a share, is it up or down? You know, am I making money or am I losing money, right? If I'm investing my time, my energy, right? My emotions, if it's a relationship, depending on the type of relationship, right? My emotions in an individual within my life, right? And we all have those key, those core individuals, that circle of people that we spend the most time with, whether it's in our career or our personal lives, right? Our job or at home. What am I getting in return, right? Do I walk away better? Do I walk away feeling good about myself? Or am I walking away wrestling with shame, doubt, self-esteem issues, right? Anxiety. What is the return on that investment, right? How diverse is my portfolio? How spread out are my investments? How many people do I invest? Am I over-invested? Right. Those are some of the things we're going to start to expand on today, because my plan is to essentially address each bucket individually. So today we're going to focus on the external investments. Right. And if you recall in the last session, when I did the introduction, I did the I set up a template, a really simple template with about four columns that we can use to essentially help audit. Right. Assess the health of our investment portfolio as it relates to our external relationships, right? Our external investments and our internal investments. And then I took it further to say that our external investments would be broken out between our work life and our personal life or home life, right? Because we spend more time at work by nature. We individuals spend more time in the office, in the workplace, you know, if you're out driving trucks or deliveries, you're out on the road. You know what I mean? And I used to do that, and it was probably one of the best jobs I ever had because I like to be alone. So it was great. I invested in myself, right? But that's another story. 
but you're spending more time there. So you want to, well, not you want to, it would be ideal to separate the two so that when you're assessing those uh, individual relationships, and as I mentioned, the percentage of time that you invest in each one of those individuals, it doesn't look crazy, you know what I mean? Because if you had your wife in the same bucket as your boss, as far as your external investments, your boss gets a lot more time than your wife or your husband or your partner or your children or whoever is that individual or a group of individuals that re represents your personal portfolio, right? As far as your external investments go. So I, I thought about that and that's the way that I, and, and only because that's how I handle it, right? For my own, I guess, psychological safety. Because if I did, if I had everyone in one bucket, it would, it would be, um, it would be, it would be upsetting because I'd start to reflect on that and it would definitely generate some negative feelings about, all right, what is my work-life balance? I mean, I'll talk about that in another session because, I mean, my work-life balance has changed dramatically and the return is insanely well. You know, it's good, really good. I love it. But I'll, I'll talk about that another time. But still, there is the risk, right? If you're bucketing your work life and personal life on the same table, right, that same spreadsheet, there's going to be a, a really, really uh, deep contrast in the amount of time you're investing in the workplace or your career relationships versus your personal relationships, right? So keeping that separate. So if you had an Excel spreadsheet or Excel worksheet, you know, you have the tabs in the bottom. I'm visualizing three tabs, right? One would be external uh, dash work. The other would be external dash personal. And then the other one would be internal, right? And I'm going to add a fourth tab, but that's later. That's, and that's something that I'll, I'll touch on. But I don't want to kind of pull that into this because that's a complex topic in and of itself. But so for now, I, if you were listening... Right. If you did listen to that intro and you took part in the template, awesome. That is so great. I hope that you enjoyed that exercise and you're ready to really start reflecting because this session is going to help support that reflection on those in external investments, right? The relationships, your circle, right? Who's walking the path with you, right? And, I, and I've mentioned... Uh, previously that we all, you know, we start our path, we're born alone, you know the saying, you're born alone, you die alone, and in the middle there's a path, you know, I believe, and it's kind of common sense, right, in the middle there's a path, there's a path that we all walk, and our path takes us in all different directions, and there's people that are, that join us for a time, there's people that spend a long time, you know, accompanying us on the way, but it's important that we understand within that walk that they're on their own path, right, as much as they're accompanying us we're accompanying them on their journey and their journey might not you know as it gets close to the end it might not have us on it we might not be you know preordained to use you know religious terminology preordained to be on their path for the entire walk and the same goes to them right but while they're there there's Influence. There's an exchange of influence. You're influencing them through your behavior, through your personality. They're influencing you through their behavior, their personality, right? The sticky parts of their personality, the takeaways. I think the best example from my own experience is when I was a kid, I used to love writing. And I was really attentive to my penmanship. I wanted to write neat. And I remember I would see, you know, when if, if it was my turn to collect the assignments, the written assignments, this was in elementary school. Actually, no, uh, fifth grade, middle school, right? So 
as I'm collecting the assignments, I remember I would look at, I would catch myself looking at the penmanship and looking for letters, right? If I saw, if I liked the way someone wrote their cursive T or their, you know, their standard R, I would borrow from it and add it to my own. I would adapt it to mine. I was like, oh, I really like that. And I, I would start practicing and add it to mine. So their penmanship and not their as a whole, right? Now take penmanship as personality, right? Their penmanship, their personality, that attribute, the letter T, the way they wrote the letter T, the way they wrote the letter R was appealing to me. I liked it. So I borrowed it and applied it to my own style. It became part of my penmanship, right? If they wrote a little, you know, I didn't like to write now or for some reason, I like to write wide. I like to really fill a space. And, and I realized as I got older and I started to get into graffiti that, okay, maybe that's why, because I liked, I, I love to flow as I write. And early on, it was developed through as, you know, as I would see these letters and the way that they did it, I'm borrowing it, I would start to expand on it. So that letter T or R that I started with was not the end result. I, I expanded on it. When I incorporated it into my own writing style, I expanded on it. Essentially, I made it my own, right? So I adapted it and then made it my own. So... It's the same with personalities. So when individuals spend time with you, when you spend time with individuals, they're borrowing from you, you're borrowing from them. Now, here's the challenge. It's not all good. It's not all good. Think back. Um, I'll use my own experience. Um, I used to have, well, not used to, I still wrestle with it at times, but I feel like I'm getting better because my children called it out and it really, it kind of became an awareness flag, something that I flagged. And I talked about that before, when you're able to observe behavior or observe or behavior is presented to you, which is an awesome opportunity. You flag it and then you start to become aware of it, right? And when we drive, I take the kids to school or take the kids home from school. I would pick them up and drop them off. We'd be talking, you know, joking around all the time, always with funny stories and stuff, but very um, sensitive. I, I've always been very sensitive to traffic, the way people drive. You know, not road rage, but just annoyed, easily annoyed by dumb things. Like if someone doesn't use their blinkers or they're real heavy on the brake pedal, you know, I, 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 sh I articulate it. You know, I'm, I'm, I get, my children would hear me like, oh my God, are you really going to do that? Hey, the light's green. Light's been green for, you know, three seconds now and just talking shit. And my kids one time, they made a com, they commented on it and it felt like a scream inside because it triggered, essentially it triggers the work. You know what I mean? When you're, when you're in a, when you're practicing awareness, when you're practicing uh, continuous improvement, you know, personal development, professional development, there's things that can trigger, there's information that can trigger that work, can trigger the practice. Almost like a martial artist, if someone throws a punch at them, they're triggering their martial arts, they move into a defensive counterpunch immediately. It's like almost like muscle memory with good practice, right? And it's the same with awareness. When you're practicing awareness or mindfulness, it can be, you know, when you're not aware, it can be triggered. And that's why I love the term practice because it doesn't, it doesn't obligate you to mastery because personally, I don't believe in mastery. I believe it's always practice, right? A master can trip, you know what I mean? You get up and keep walking. And I think viewing it as a practice gives you the grace to make mistakes, give you the, gives you the grace to have momentary 
failures, right? Where it doesn't work. Momentary um, lapses in awareness because it's going to happen. Your mind is a toddler. I've shared this before. It's going to be all over the place, right? So that moment, that instance with my children triggered the work. It triggered my practice and I flagged it. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect on that. And I started to reflect on it and I realized, wow, almost every morning and every afternoon when I'm picking off and dropping off the kid, I would say at least two, you know, I would have at least two outbursts where I'm saying something about a driver. And, and then I remember, you know, really applying insight. I'm meditating on this. I remembered my son in the car at, we were at a light and he said something. He was like, come on, this guy's not going to move. And I was like, holy shit, influence, influence, sticky sticky that attribute of my personality is sticky he's adapting it to his own personality and in my insight practice it's obviously negative right he's observing with judgment if we really really get into mindfulness right the mindfulness philosophy is the terminology of it he's observing with judgment when i'm as a man trying to practice observation with non-judgment, I'm influencing my son and my daughter for that matter to practice observation with judgment. So as much as I might talk about, right, as much as I might talk about mindfulness, my behavior in those moments, my observed behavior for my children, the influential behavior as a parent, right, as a person of authority is counter to that. It's contradicting it. I'm in conflict with myself. I'm not walking the walk. Now, here's where the grace comes in. It's when you observe it as a practice, when you view it as a practice, when you practice, period, you give yourself room for mistakes, right? So in that moment, I shared with them. I said, wow. And I shared it plainly. I said, wow, you know what? For as much as I talk about being non-judgmental, I said, daddy's being very judgmental. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Please, if you see that behavior, please let me know so that I can be aware of it. Because sometimes I forget. I'm used to it. My father was like that. Right? Look at that. Generational. My father was like that. You know, getting angry at other drivers. I adapted that behavior because fathers are cool. You know what I mean? You want Ultimately, we want to emulate our parents, hopefully. Right? I know I wanted to be like my dad. And that behavior was sticky. Those attributes were sticky. As I got older, I was able to thankfully discern, all right, that's probably not something I want to keep doing if I noticed that I was doing it. And maybe, yeah, that's, that's a jewel. You know, that's something I'll keep. You start to discern the influence. But if you're not aware or practicing awareness, you don't. You just emulate that behavior. You are a reflection of that influence. And you don't even know it. You're being yourself. You're keeping it 100. But you're keeping it in that moment 100% someone else. 100% influence. Right? It's not unique behavior. It's not behavior that you have nurtured within yourself. It's not something that you're doing for yourself. It's not your own discovery. It's not your practice. It's adapted behavior. It's influence that is happening automatically because it's been repetitively conditioned throughout your life or throughout a period in your life, depending on the investment in that individual, right? depending on the investment in that individual. So when we take that all back into the investment portfolio, these are the things that we think about, right? If I were to share this audit practice with my son, 
I'd probably be at the top of the list because I spend more time with them than anyone else does, right? Well, with my son, probably his friends because he's, on, he's online for the majority of the day. But as far as family, I spend more time with them. And by that, I mean like one-on-one time where we're either in the car talking or out. We're going for food and stuff like really, really talking. I spend a lot of time with them. So if he had me on there, I'd be curious to see, and I'm actually going to do this. It's a great idea. I'm going to do this. I'd be curious to see how he views my return. You know what I mean? And I take that a step further, and this will be another session around performance management. Essentially, when we engage him to, to audit me, of course, I'll use language that he understands, and he's pretty smart. He'll get it. But just, hey, what can I do better, right? When you start to, and this is when we really start to expand on the investment portfolio because it's two-way street. You think about your investments into individuals, and, and based on the template, I said go with you know three to four, three to five individuals. Keep it nice and light to start with, and, and essentially you're you're initially assessing the return on the investment, right? But when you take it a step further, you want to explore. All right, what is what is your return? Because there, it's a two-way street. It's reciprocal, right? I talked about that last time. That person that's walking on a path with you for that period in your life, you're as influential to them as they are to you. So there's an interaction, there's an exchange of energy. The investment is mutual. Now, whether it's positive or negative is usually going to surface within the audit, right? When we audit that investment, that's when we start to discover some things about ourselves or about that individual that are going to help make decisions about how we shape the investment going forward, right? So think about that. When, you know, when I, when I take this information back and I, and, I, and I digest it and I apply it to my audit, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, I take those three to five individuals, I write down their names, I write down the, uh, the classification, right? What's the percentage? How critical are they uh, within that space? If it's, if it's my, my partner, my wife, she's critical. So she's a high percentage. My son, my daughters, high percentages, right? Um, I have other people in my circle that probably aren't as high only because they're in a, the, the orbit's slightly wider, right? The orbit is slightly wider. And some people are just comets. They come through every few years. So they're not even on the list. Um, there's not enough of an investment or not enough space of, um, of, of continuous investment to support any audit, right? So when I'm thinking about that grouping, that's what I'm thinking about. And then when I go into the amount of time, what is the percentage of time? All right, how much time am I spending with them? And then the real insight, the thinking, the reflection happens on the return. Is it negative or positive? Right. And I challenge you to take it a step further and add comments, add notes, add a fifth column for notes. Why? And when you're thinking about why, let's say that first one. And I use the, la- I use the example of my boss in the introductory section. And I said to myself, all right, um, the return could either be negative or positive based on whatever, right? They're, they're building me up for promotion or they're tearing me down, right? They're projecting a lot of negative energy or they're, they're in automatic behavior mode. They're projecting a lot. It's generating stress or anxiety every time I engage them. It's negative, right? So either one of those would benefit from being able to call out either specific experiences to support it so it's tangible, right? Evidence-based. Call out, all right, what happened to make you believe? Call out one or two things that happened to make you to support that valuation of negative or positive, right? So once you're done with that, then you can start to look at it and think, right? Think about, all right, what 
can I do to improve my portfolio? Right? You got to make decisions. And you see it on social media all the time. Hey, uh, New Year's coming, and, and New Year's is coming, right? Next week. The uh, time to cut my friends list. You know, the people, they're, they're auditing. <laughs> they're auditing their relationships, their external investments. Beautiful thing to do. Beautiful thing to do. And I, whenever I see that, I'm like, all right, I wonder how close to home they bring that. I wonder how they're using that in the workplace. You know, I wonder how they're really managing their investment portfolio. It's great to cut out the fluff, the clutter, the noise, right? Reduce the noise. And I'm going to talk about that in, in like a supplemental session to this series where I said that, that, that fifth tab, that actually fourth tab, I'm sorry, that fourth tab, that other investment bucket, right? And that's our social consumption, and I'll talk about that separately, but, but that kind of touches on it, right? We talk about in our social engagement what we're doing, cutting down, you know, I'm cutting my friends, reducing friends, this, that, fake people, blah, blah, blah. But the challenge of the investment portfolio exercise that I'm presenting is to really, really bring it close to home, right? What are your top three? What are your top four? What are your top five influencers, right? Who are the people you spend the most time with? How critical is that time? How much of that time do you spend with them? And is the return on that time, positive or negative, why? One, two, three examples of things that happen to support that positive or negative valuation. Right. So that's the next steps of the assignment. And essentially what that's going to do is it's going to support some insight. You know, when you're done with this, what you want to do is, is think about that what will become that sixth column, right? So you got your name, you got your classification, right? Well, how critical are they? You know, the percentage, critical, the uh, percentage of time you spend with them, right? The third column. The fourth column is the return on the investment. Is it positive or negative? The fifth column is the notes. Why, right? Evidentiary. Why? One, two, three examples of things that happen that support that valuation. And then the sixth, is essentially next steps, right? And not from a sense of, all right, what am I gonna do absolutely next, but just, okay, if it's positive, what can I do to continue to maintain positivity, to maintain that positive return, right? And that could be as simple as thanking them, making it a point to thank them for being a positive influence. Hey, you know what? We spent a lot of time together. I just wanna show you, I just wanna thank you. I really appreciate the influence that you're having on my career, if it's your, if it's a management professional or a colleague or a subordinate, if it's at home, if it's your son, your ch your daughter, your you know your child or your partner, you know, pausing to thank them, essentially that's the dividends, right? You're giving them you're giving them some dividends because you're getting a good return. So let's give them some dividends. The investment is paying off well. So you're going to give them some reinforcement, right? And on the flip side, you know, I say dividends because on the flip side of the investment earlier, I said, you know, we're, we're starting the investment portfolio with the focus on, you know, our investment in them. But the flip side of that is their investment in us, right? Their investment in us. And, and I say that not from the sense of because when you think about it, we're, we're, val we're evaluating the return on our energy, right? Remember we talked about in the last session, the currency is our time, our energy, right? How much of ourselves are we investing into this person through time and energy? Because that is a soft cost. And I explained the soft costs in the introduction session. That is a soft cost that is often overlooked, right? 
How much do we value our time? How much do we value our investment in others? What we put in, what we contribute to a relationship, how much do we value it, right? The more that we value it, the higher the expectation tends to be around returns. And I'm going to have a session soon about expectations and, and disappointments, right? And I think that it's going to be a little eye-opening because it certainly was for me when I started to really research and practice this. Now, the, the flip side of that, right, their investment in you is essentially evaluating your return on their time and energy, right? You're flipping it. And there's two ways you can do that. And we'll talk about that more when we start to, to dive into that side. But right now, I want to set the stage for essentially completing that first tab well, first two tabs, because you're going to do one for your, your workplace relationships, and the second tab is going to be for your personal relationships, whether it be your family, friends, that top two, three, four, five individuals as it relates to the workplace, and on the second tab as it relates to your personal life. So you evaluate those, and then start to meditate on it, start to think about it. Start to really reflect on each one. And in this reflection, ideally... What you want to be able to do is what I mentioned earlier, right? Where the, where the return is positive, think about how you can acknowledge that, right? To essentially uh, let them know that you see it, right? Let them know that you're aware of it. Basically, the gratitude, expression of gratitude for that positive return on your investment. And it doesn't have to even be a deep talk about, hey, you know, my time is precious. And the time that I invest in you, I'm really thankful. No, just... Let them know that you see it. And that in and of itself nurtures even more positive returns, right? It's going to create a more comfortable space for the two of you to explore that relationship deeper. If it's a professional relationship, it's going to allow you to open up. It's going to allow them to open up so you can learn more about them, be more supportive. The best way to learn in workplace relationships is to build that relationship. Gain a sense of comfort. Build trust. Without trust, there's never going to be any knowledge share. Without trust, there's never going to be any inclusivity. Right? It starts with trust. And trust begins with just establishing that space of comfort within the dynamic. Right? So when you have that, when you're fortunate enough to experience that, where the positive, where, where the return is positive, acknowledge it. Let them know. Because sometimes they, just as much as we might not be aware of our what might be considered bad behavior, there's a lot of people that aren't aware of their good behavior. They might have had some beautiful influences in their life and they're just a butterfly, you know, bringing joy into every space that they flutter into, but they're not even aware of it. So you bringing that to their attention, right? Let's them know, hey, here's some things you're doing right. It supports their ability to continue to nurture that from a position of awareness, right? And that's when they can really and truly experience the value. And that's where they can truly experience that comfort and start to establish a trust-centered relationship with you. Increasing the return in a positive sense, right? Where it's negative, what can you do differently? There's some situations, quite frankly, that you can't, you know, you can't walk away from. You can't avoid. You can't cut them off. You know, they're not on your social network. You can't just unfriend them. It might be your boss. Right. What can you do differently? How can you approach that situation? Because remember, we can't change people. We can only change how we interact with them. We can only change ourselves. We can only change how we view our perspective, our perception. So that we begin with that and say, what can I do differently to change this investment? Right. 
And that gives us essentially some, a foundation to start building off of, to start really, you know, cult- cultivating our investment, right? We're making decisions now about our investment to support a positive return. And where you can, most definitely, where you do have someone on there that, hey, you know what, this person's somehow in the critical section. I spend a lot of time with them, but they're not the best influence. You know, some of us have that friend that gets you into fights all the time or the guy that's, you know, the guy or girl that's always borrowing money. You know, the, the, it could be anything or, or challenges your commitment, you know, your, your, your moral compass because of your history with them, you know, and you might have to make decisions around there. You know what, maybe I need to, uh, you know, scratch that investment create space, create time, right, to invest in the people that are actually bringing value into my life, right? So when you think about that top the one I mentioned earlier about when you're looking at your social network and you're cutting, you're unfriending people, you know, in that unfriending, maybe consider also reaching out to the ones that, hey, who are your top five? Because if you think about it on your social media, you probably got about a good five to ten people that always hit your shit. You know, whatever you post out there, they're, they're the ones that, hey, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, the like, the love, all that, the caring. Those are the ones that always, they're watching you. You know what I mean? They're watching you. They're following you. They're responding to you. You're engaging them. Shout them out. Let them know. Direct message. Let them know, hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, you know, even if we, don't, if we didn't get along or we didn't even know each other that well, I appreciate the way we vibe social, on the social network. Sometimes there's people that I that I connected with on social media that I wish we were. I wish I would have knew this, you know, I've known this back when I was younger. I mean, we would have been great friends. So those are things to think about. And in our next session, we're going to start to explore the uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, kind of summarize where we were here and then start to transition into the internal portfolio, the internal investment portfolio. I'm looking forward to that. So as always, please leave any feedback, questions or concerns. Let's grow together. Take care.